Hello, Tim. Hey, David. So, Have you been uh, out there dating since our last episode? Have you met any women? Are you getting on the market? Are you swiping right? No, I have not. I have not Is made any progress. Dating site at all? Um, this is actually, it's called uh, the Atlasphere. I, what, what, what's trying the ratio to join. between men and women on that thing? I think it's like 60-40 or 70-30. It's not like horrible. That's yeah, better than But I, I, I want to dive right in because last time you, you said there's two major points, right? So you said that as long as the relationship like gives you more freedom, that's an important thing and, and there's value in that kind of stuff. And you were also talking about if you value the time with them in particular, right? And like you have to obviously value the time. And so both of those are, I'm, I don't think necessarily that my case is applicable to everyone, right? That because that every objectivist has to think this way or has to marry an objectivist or that kind of thing. But I'm wondering if because of my particular interests and what I particularly want to do, if there's an, if it might be a concern and an issue for me, because one is if I'm consistently thinking about and trying to advance objectivist thought and these sorts of things, let's say, then if they disagree with those premises, that's not going to be one particularly enjoyable time. And two, it's going to limit my freedom because I have to clarify and double talk and reassure them that, no, this is the right way of thinking sure. and these sorts of things. Right. So I think there's a potential when someone disagrees with fundamental values that it will limit freedom in some respect. Mm -hmm. And I also think when it comes to valuing the actual time you're spending with someone that no, like the people who are, they don't. So right now in my life, the people I enjoy spending time with are the people honestly committed to just understanding the world. But that right. is seven people in my life sure, cut sure. down from like a hundred. Right. And so none of them are objectivists, but or one of them is an objectivist, maybe. But all of them, I think, are open to becoming objectivists, right? Right, right? So if you were completely closed down to the idea of of my ideas being right, not that I'm fully formed in my objectivist ideas, let's say, this would be a worse conversation. It wouldn't go as well if we weren't open to each other's ideas. And it's the same mm -hmm. thing um, in reverse, right? Yes. Um, but so if I, I don't know, like in my relationships all of the ones i have i tend to not talk about much other than ideas in terms of right. when i'm talking with people because that's what i find fascinating that's what i do um and so when we're just like sitting and chatting if they have different fundamental ideas then it's going to be a problem and i i would assume it's applicable like if they have a wrong way of thinking if they have um a wrong morality that conflicts come up more Right. If you and you don't have to have the same concrete values, but you'd want to have the same like ideas of what are virtues. Right. So sure. like if, if, if you have different ideas of what it means to be a good person. Like you'll end up being quite differently. Yeah. And then the other thing that I still haven't formulated quite well, but um, like the idea of love is the. So in objectivism, it holds that love is what happens when you see your values in another person, right? You love them because they value, they, they are good in your opinion, right? So yeah. 
like, wouldn't it then be if they were, like, more in line with your values, they'd be more good? Like, maybe it's not ever going to be 100% and they're not going to be your perfect uh, your, your perfect person in every single way. But, like, so all of these things come up in my mind when you say these things and I'm trying to f understand, you know, if it's larger, if it's just because of how explicitly interested in ideas I am, or if it's just because of me being new to the interest in ideas, you're laughing. So I'm like, maybe you were this way and I, I just need to like calm down a bit as I, as I settle into my new way of thinking and yeah. I'll be less dogmatic. Anyways, what do you think, Tim? <laughs> well, no, I, I'm, I'm laughing because, you know, I see a younger version of myself in a lot of ways. And, you know, I was kind of my own worst enemy uh, because of, of, uh, trying to build this life from first principles, um, you know, it has its, has its, uh, pitfalls and traps. Like sometimes we're, we're, um, we fail to notice what is important in context, right? So for example, I don't need my, I went to the dentist this morning. I don't know what her <laughs> epistemology is or what her first principles are. We have a relationship and it's based on can she provide value to my teeth and my health? Right. right. And she can, and she does a good job. And regardless of whether she's a full out communist or whatever, I just, we, right. we, we in that context, in that relationship, there's something that's more important and that's her competency as a dentist and her ability to give me the kind of health and freedom I need, um, <laughs> because okay. of what's going on with my teeth. Um, and it's the same with, uh, you know, a business partner, right? Would you need an, a, a business partner who's an objectivist or would you need someone who's competent at doing um, the things that need to be done to maximize profit? Get Like if you, if you could hire a whiz-bang marketer that could increase your profits more than any objectivist could, you, you would be a bad objectivist for not going into partnership with that person to, to do that, right? Would you agree with that? I would agree unless they have any, like, it, I wouldn't agree in an equal partnership. So when you say a business partner, right. I don't think I'd want to go into a business partnership with a non-objectivist, let's okay. say, because I think there would be fundamental dis differences in decisions we would arrive at some point, right? Because right. well, we would have you, anyone who some, would... Think about someone you admire in business, whether it's Elon Musk or Warren Buffett or some someone who's done some great things. Um, that sure. you could learn from, right? W would you turn down an internship with that person or uh, like a paid gig or like even a small equity share in their partnership in a new enterprise with them? You would get a, an incredible amount of value out of that, even though they're not an objectivist, even though they're I, focused on something else, correct? Correct. And so right. I think that's why- So again, all these things are in Particularly, Yeah, and I think the- the most interesting context to me, I don't think I should never engage in any degree with any non-objectivist, right? right? And I think people who think that are, are okay. insane, are absurd. Good. Okay, right? okay, we're making um, some progress here. Right, today. no, no, and I definitely <laughs> like, no, like I said, the people I enjoy talking to the most now might never be objectivists, right? They might, and I don't fault them for it or anything, right. Right. but they're at least open to honest conversations. But when it comes, yes. and 
That's why it's particularly so they they're improving your life because they're having open, honest conversations with you where you're both trying to arrive at, at the truth, right? So truth is a value. Right. Uh, open, honest dialogue is a value. So you can say that that there are things going on. Now I want to bring this over. What I'm trying to do is step you through to a relationship called marriage or right. a and romantic so wait, relationship. Okay. So I want to Go hit on. on. I still think that it's a difference, and it parallels romantic like a marriage in a, an equal business partnership, sure. right? So if I was equal partners with someone, yeah, I would work for someone who wasn't an objectivist if I could get value from it. If I would work, have people work for me who aren't objectivists, but to have an equal partnership where we have to make decisions together, if we have different values, at some point there will be issues, right? And it's like, yeah, sure. those issues can be fleshed out down the road, but to make a lifelong commitment to someone, right? And that's why I very much resonate with the idea of Christians and, and like they want right. to make sure they're aligned and you have these conversations up front before you yep. sign a contract for a lifelong partnership and these sorts of things. Well, let's, let's think about this business relationship for a second where you're equal partners with someone you would, you would want more than that person to be an objectivist. You would want them to provide the most value to you and your right. purpose and mission with that business. Right. And so yeah. if they had a particular set of skills and if they're willing to have it sounds like open, honest communication, willingness on both parties to change their mind and be convinced. That is of utmost important. And that's what you need in a business relationship um, going forward. Like you don't want someone to like you don't want to have wildly different ideas about how you're going to run your business. Um, but you can find that in a non-objectivist who might even be better than an object. So, so what I'm saying is you don't want to close off um, these relationships to just objectivist or something like that like to, so so I, I want you to think about what it is that's of value to you in a business relationship or even in this podcast i'm not uh, an objectivist although I, I have some very strong overlap with objectivism and i come from that background and i understand it um mm -hmm. and in some ways i'm probably a better objectivist than most objectivists yes, <laughs> <would> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know we don't necessarily see completely eye to eye on everything and yet we're having a valuable arrangement here right so right, but the fundamental difference again that i'm trying that i i'm trying to formulate is a, a an equal partnership where this other person has some direct influence on my life almost any partnership any arrangement they don't i can sever it i can quit i can fire them uh, like we can sever this at any point if there are is a significant conflict that can happen if I want a lifelong commitment and like maybe I'm just anxious and I want to make sure there's not going to be as right. potential issues down the road. But if I think that a certain way of thinking fundamentally leads to wrongheaded conclusions, I don't want to have to deal with those wrongheaded conclusions down the line or maybe I'll meet someone and I'll go into the marriage knowing all right, there's probably going to be like a couple dozen wrongheaded conclusions I have to deal with at some point, and that's okay. I'll do it for you, right? But when it comes to like a business partnership, there would be that risk that it's going to very much impact my life when this person comes right. to wrongheaded conclusions, which okay. I think they will. If I right now, right? let me try to articulate where I think you're going wrong with your thinking a little bit here. Um, what what you you know, you're painting it this into an almost an adversarial type relationship, right? And what you want is not an adversarial relationship. You want a relationship like the ones you described with your seven closest friends who you can have discussion with, who more than being 
willing to change their mind. They're really willing to hear you and understand your perspective. Right. And, and yeah. you never feel like you have to compromise with those people. Like you never have to uh, violate any principles or sacrifice any bit of yourself to be with those people. And you emerge from those conversations, a better version of yourself, because maybe you've bolstered your, your thinking, you've clarified your thinking by having to address devil's advocate positions about it or whatever. And they, they, aren't trying to diminish you or cut you down in any way. And, and so there's nothing but positives here, even though they, at the end of the day, they're not objectivists. Now I'm going to argue that the same thing is true of your wife. And, the, and one of these days <laughs> I keep mentioning this, but I want to do a podcast on this book. I want you to read this book called nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg, which has really helped, uh, really brought my wife and I closer to each other, uh, because it really gets to the meat of disagreements and the disagreements, are never really about um, what we think they're about. They're usually about an unmet need in each other. And, right. and we're both committed to meeting each other's needs and, yeah. and helping or helping each other meet our own needs, I guess would be a better way of putting it, right? right? And yeah. that's what that's what this teaches, right? And so so that's the fundamental thing there with, with this relationship. And so it, when you get into the romantic realm and you think about your household and your your marriage, you don't need an intellectual interlocutor in that particular, at least I don't. I don't feel like I need my wife to be on the same level as me when it comes to thinking about big picture world things and philosophical first principles and all those things. I need her to be able to communicate with me. Communication is most important in all relationships and especially in marriage. And this this way of communicating, the, the Rosenberg method, really has helped us get to the meat of, of things and stay on the same page because we ultimately do have the same goal and that's to, we, we value each other. We want each other. So, but, but I don't, I don't need that. I, I can get that elsewhere. I have friends, I can have libertarian meetups I can go to where I can get that. Uh, if I'm interested in, in hunting, I can go out with my buddies who hunt. If I want to go to the gym and lift weights, I have a buddy who can do that. So there's ways I can get my needs met. I, I don't need my wife to be all those things in my relationship. What, so what, what our relationship is about is we have a partnership. We're building a life together where we are both have more freedom because of this arrangement and this partnership and this love we have. And I'm able to do the things I want to do. And she's able to do the things she wants to do. And it works better when we're together and, and in this committed relationship. So, and she never diminishes me. She never cuts me down. And I, I don't do that to her. Um, and sometimes we have disagreements and conflicts, but we have a methodology of working through those where we try to understand what's being triggered in us and, and we take responsibility for our own thing. So, so I guess what I'm saying is it, it, it's, it's that, it's that communication piece, uh, that is ultimately key, right. And not being diminished in your relationship, not being, um, cut down, not having your freedom restricted, I guess. Right. And I, 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 I think I get that. And, you know, my mind went to the point that more than anyone I've ever met, I, I do think I might need that in a wife, the, the ideas, like I, I might need that I can have this, these types of conversations. But then also I've realized that the more I have them more consistently, they do get kind of boring. It's not the only thing I want to do with my time. Um, sure. And, so and, and let me add to that too. You know, she, she, if you have the right partner, um, you know, like they, they can be not on the same level philosophically and intellectually as you at all. And they can still ask questions where they don't understand. Like you can have conversation if they're open to have a conversation with you about objectivism and they genuinely don't understand it and they can't grok it. And they're like, but they're asking all these questions. 
it helps you become a better objectivist too because you learn how to communicate these things more clearly. Uh, and again, just, your goal isn't necessarily to convince them to embrace the same conclusions uh, about the world as you, but that conversation in and of itself is valuable to you as an objectivist. Right, and so I have two questions, I guess, as well. Because So one is in the, and you might not have an ex exact answer, but like in the arguments you do have with your wife, I would assume you would be fundamentally right most of the time or more often than not because you have very clear thinking. And so, I mean, and it's important to have patience and allow those disputes to happen and yeah you still will be wrong in any particular instances but you're very explicitly able to identify that at some point and assess your own thinking because you're very introspective and so maybe introspection is an important thing and and I'm I'm a so I'm giving objectivism more credit than it's due maybe because it's presented me with a specific framework that I largely had before but it's like a formula for it let's say. Right. So maybe the things I'm associating with objectivism are actually just key things in general, but I still think that our mindsets tend to lead to clarity and to the right answer in thinking more often than not. So then it's a matter of if you know that, is it just like you're willing to educate the significant other, or is that just me being full of myself and cocky that I think <laughs> I know best? Well, there, you're not totally wrong there for sure. Um, you know, about certain things, I, I certainly believe I'm right about certain things. And, and here's, you know, there's different kinds of fights, right? So there might be a fight about the toilet seat or something like that, right? I left the toilet seat up. Right. Okay? And she, she's angry about that. Okay. But it's never what nonviolent communication teaches you is it's never about the toilet seat. It, it's right. not an argument about whether it should be up or down. And I want it up all the time because I go pee more often and, and it's more convenient for me to have it up. So I don't put pee all over the, the seat, right? While she right. falls into the toilet, if it's not down in the dark or something like that, the, the, these, if the arguments are devolving to that, it's not good. That's not right. at the end of the day, there's an unmet need in my wife, she's angry. That's a signal that there's an unmet need. And her need in that case is for consideration. She wants to feel considered in this relationship. And that's yeah. fair. She's right about that. There, she's not wrong right. about that. Maybe I do need to be more considerate. And maybe I need maybe yeah. there's different ways I, I can show consideration. I can help meet her need for consideration in ways that don't even involve the toilet seat. Maybe I just bring her home some flowers or write her a nice little note or, you know, I, there's things I can do. And I feel good about that. I feel good when I'm helping her meet her need. Right. So it's an opportunity for both both of us to get our needs needs met in that situation. But there maybe there's something some fundamental disagreement about um, a boy. Right. Or I, I can remember um, one time we had a fight about. Uh, my daughter's boyfriend. I thought he was a jackass. He was driving around in this truck with truck nuts. And he had tattoos and like he was just, he just, I could tell there was red flags everywhere. And I got super mad and like, I didn't want, and my wife was like, how dare you? Like she, she needs to be able to explore this stuff. Okay. Who's right in that situation? Maybe we're both right. Maybe I'm right, but I, I can, but what, what I had to do was, okay, put my anger aside and articulate exactly what it is that I was seeing and why there are red flags. And now because of this relationship we have, because the underlying trust and val the value, the trust is based on our ability to communicate and understand that we both want to meet each other's needs, that we both want to understand each other, that we both have the same goals in mind, and that's for our daughter to flourish and all these things. 
So I have to approach the conversation from that perspective and say, okay, here's what I'm recognizing and here's why my threat levels are going off and here's what I'm concerned about um, rather than coming over the top and just saying I'm right. Okay. So uh, I'm yeah. connecting her to, to my unmet need. I have a need for my daughter's safety. Here are some signs I'm seeing. And then we can have a productive conversation and I it's that it. conversation that emerges that, that help. There's no right black and white answer in should she date him or shouldn't she date him, right? Uh, at the end of the day, my daughter's free in that situation. We want her to be able to make her own decisions and live with the consequences, but we also want to be able to communicate with her what we're seeing in a productive way, right? And and let her know from our experience what we're seeing and, and let her learn her lessons, okay? So the end of that is, uh, you know, I, it, me being able to articulate what it is I'm seeing. And ultimately, she learned the hard way about uh, her decision. And and now there's a bit more trust with dad and a bit more asking dad for advice about some of these things. And, and, and at the end of the day, what happens is there are things that my wife now trusts me, my decision making and my judgment on. Um, and she def defers to me or asks me for my advice and she trusts me and she values my input there but there are also things that i value hers on like she tells me you should really send your daughter a text you should um you know reach out to your friend and 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 you know i think you might be going through a hard time or you should you know reach out to your dad maybe we should go visit him like she she's focused on the home front and on all these relationships things that i overlook that aren't in my field of view because i'm looking out to the world and, and adventure and doing the next thing. But she's right. I need to concentrate on those things too. So I defer to her judgment when it comes to things about relationships and nurturing them because that's her, her field of expertise. And this is how things work together. Like if we were both focused on exactly the same thing, on going out into the world and preaching libertarianism or something like that and, and hard charging, I, I wouldn't have the freedom I, I have to do those things anymore because all the things that are taking care of, of supporting my life, the relationships that matter to me, the, the nurturing, the, the, all those things would be left untended. You know, my room wouldn't be clean. My laundry wouldn't be done. I would be malnourished, uh, you know, all these things. So, so, you know, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to that communication, that trust and the ability to work through perceived conflict together. And at the end of the day, um, when you're in your in a marriage and you understand what your goal is, your goal is to, to cohabitate, to support each other, um, and and to never cut each other down, to become better versions of yourself in what it is that we want to do. Um, well, that can work when you have good communication, regardless of whether um, she's a Christian and I'm an atheist, or whether she, you know, it's probably not going to work. Admittedly, if she's a com an avowed communist, that's active. But if she if she just kind of shrugs and say, yeah, communism seems like a good idea, like everyone's sharing. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with that. Like it's going to work still because she's not a fundamentalist, right? She's she's not out there preaching this stuff or she doesn't really care about it in the way I care about my thing. But but wouldn't you want the person you're with to have the proper ideas, right? Like if she's a communist, that's wrong. And right. and don't doesn't that have some weight and also but it doesn't um, affect life right it, and it doesn't affect mine so but see, I, that's where that I, was the case I, that's what i'm wondering is i think it would affect the life right so i think that someone who has a rational framework uh not necessarily objectivist explicitly and i also think there's very few people i've come across who actually practice it properly and i don't even think necessarily ayn rand would like i honestly think right. just because she came up with the idea doesn't mean she practiced it perfectly, um, but also like so. You are an example of someone who 
definitely, if we're friends, you're definitely in the top of uh, like the people who approach things in the right headed way. Right. And so I think that people have more success in it, whatever their goals are, if they have the right approach and if yes. they have the right mentality. So if whoever I care about doesn't have that, it's sort of painful as well that they're not having as much success as I would want them to have. And I think I fundamentally know why, but, you know, I maybe can't get that across to them or, or whatever, right? Right. And so what you need to do is apply rationality to yourself and to your approach, right? And this is one of the things I noticed with a lot of libertarians and objectivists is that we have the right worldview. We know it. We're, we're kind of pretty confident in it. And when we see a bad argument on social media or when we're talking with someone, we explain to people why they're wrong and we just expect that they're going to adopt <laughs> our, our mentality, right? But it doesn't work. And wh why doesn't it work? It's because we're not applying rationality to the very process that we're engaging them with, with our conversations. We're not thinking about how conversations were, how people change their mind, how we communicate with each other. So we have to apply some principles to those first before we can even approach that. And, and what I found within any my, relationship. Yeah. Yes. And what I found is when you focus on that, as opposed to, um, the other stuff, uh, you, things work, they, they work better. Even if the, the other person doesn't mm -hmm. adopt your conclusions, you're in a relationship with them because there's a back and forth. There's a give and take. There's a, there, there's a, yeah. a calm and desire to under, genuinely understand each other. And there's no cutting you down as a person or your goals down. Right. And so as long as that exists, what I'm saying is I think that your relationship can work. So as long as they're not cutting you down, as long as there's some process for resolving this. And, but what I'm going to tell you is if you approach it, like, I've thought about this, here's the logic behind it, and here's why you're wrong, and here's what we're going to do, and if you don't do this, then, I mean, you no, put yourself in, I know you wouldn't do that, but if that's your kind of mentality, you put yourself in an adversarial relationship with the person that you're committed to uh, a relationship with, right? And right. so you, and that's you, you why apply I'm... rationality to the process of how you engage in relationships, not just the conclusions you come to about the world. Right, and I, I, I do agree, and that's what I've tried to do in any of the relationships I do have. And I'm particularly like thinking about it for the relationships I will form. Like, cause I know that process, you can kind of gauge, oh, with this person, that process will have to happen a lot. And that this like, and like right. there are degrees of how not open to that process someone is and these sorts of things. And so it's, especially if it's, you know, an equal partnership and that sort of thing, there's additional risk. And I guess, using a full rationalist approach though, if I'm omnipotent and I have the right answers and I can apply the rationality to the conversations themselves, yep. then I have to find other values, know that they have them, know that they're committed to certain values. And in any situation, the right thing will happen because I'll have the right approach in that moment, in that time. And I don't have to make sure they have the same exact framework up front, you know, I think, in that. I think that's right. And I think, you know, there, there can be a, a, an imbalance in terms of applying that process as well, right? Like if, if uh, my wife's mad and especially before we both like read the book and, and got on board and really understood what was going on with our communication, there, there was a lot, it felt like I was giving a lot more, <laughs> like I, I was leading, I guess a lot more like I was like trying to work through things and get to the thing you know and 
I was never willing to like say that I was wrong. That's considered violent communication. Um, you know, it's not a power struggle. It's not about right or wrong. It's about what's the unmet need here. When people are upset or when there's a conflict, it's almost always down to there's some unmet need and trying mm -hmm. to hear that and understand what it is. And, um, you know, I guess if we had perfect rationality and perfect omniscience, we would always under we would meet that need before it was ever unmet in our partner, and they would never there would never be any conflict because we well, would I guess understand. I'm hoping, I'm guess I'm thinking I have a very good assessment of myself and my unmet needs, and it's not perfect, but very good. And so, is it a bother to me if someone isn't at almost my level? Because then I just have to be meeting their needs, and they'll go. These conflicts will arise more. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so it's like what degree of which everyone has right. baggage, how much baggage do I want to deal with? And well, and your evidence would be uh, that that they that you never get to the unmet need. They're just so resistant to having that conversation or drilling down on it that, um, that you know, so so you, you might go for, like you might be able to get from. A to Z very quickly and say, okay, I'm really upset right now. Oh, what, why is that? She said something, it triggered something in me. What, mm. and I'm angry. And it's not because of what she said, it's because there's an unmet need in myself. What's that unmet need? Oh, yeah, it's this. I need, um, yeah, more and that's affection you get better or something with like practice, that. right? And, and you, you get there a lot quicker, right? But with her, it might take her two days to get there. Uh, but is she willing to go on that process? And do you see some improvement? And do you see, do you see her? you know, willing to work with you towards that. And and to me, that's the thing, because ultimately uh, our needs are all fairly universal. Like we need nourishment, we need love, we need companionship, we need yeah. uh, open, direct communication. We need, there, there's, there's a whole inventory of things that all humans universally need. And usually when we're angry or upset, it's because one of those things isn't, isn't being met. And as long as you can you know, your partner can get there um, and understand that, then uh, my uh, experience is you can have a wonderful relationship, even if she doesn't call herself an objectivist, even if she loves Jesus or something like that, even, you know, go down the list if if you can, you know, so. Um, so I want to, I, I still might think it might be difficult if she loved Jesus and bought into Christian morality, but I I mean, we don't have to get into that deeper now. I want to see what you think of my formulation, sure. um, and then we can we can kind of wrap it up from there. So my formulation as to the approach I was thinking at the start of our conversation was that you know I have this current status now of an objectivist, and and I want someone with an equal status so we can approach everything marching forward. But three years ago, I didn't have this. I just had an honest commitment to understand myself and the people around me. And so as long as this person has that commitment, that is the most important thing, regardless of their current principles or values um, in in a very like intense, uh, you know, philosophical realm. As long as they have an honest relation, like as long as they can be honest with themselves and honest with me, that's what's most important and will adjust accordingly. And maybe they'll never reach the point of the ideas that I have and the clarity in which I hold them, but that's not significant in the grand scheme of their life necessarily. It's not, and it's not significant in the grand scheme of your life, right? In the grand scheme of your life, what you want to do right now, what what's giving you purpose is, is being an objectivist and getting these ideas out and having these discussions. And if you meet a girl that 
is loves that loves like is happy to support you is happy to um you know share expenses on an apartment or something like that or you know you can think of a number of ways that they, they can make your life easier and if she's not cutting you down if she's not saying this is stupid and like undermining you I mean, what, what's, what's the problem, right? That she doesn't need it's, to be out there going to the objectivist conferences with you. Maybe that would be nice. Maybe that would be like an Uber fantasy or something like that. But one of the things I found is to me, I've learned because I used to think the same way as you, I want a, a on fire libertarian, uh, girlfriend who's going to go to these things with me and be up there and be like on, on the podium with me and like whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I realized that's unrealistic that would have cut me off from meeting the love of my life who's been more supportive than that libertarian wife would have been like we like i said we can't both be the rock stars in this relationship in that realm right um like it just it det it would it would be let more inhibiting for me to have that and and so right, right now i have the most freedom i could imagine i still don't think they have to be bought in and like dogmatic or not right. even dogmatic but marching in the same way but it's more about, you know, where along that process are they to introspecting and getting to a point of knowing themselves and knowing their, uh, you know, their inner world and, and yeah. these sorts of things. But, but and I think I was I was I was attributing too much of that to objectivism and libertarianism. I think right. that they and I think it's like a, a package and it's even a package that tends to lead to these things perhaps more quickly than just introspective yeah. work itself but i was i think i was just creating a package of it rather yeah. than knowing and and as long as they have the key things that are most important and they can apply it to their life um you know maybe i still hesitate yeah. i still don't well, well, I'm still well, not you, convinced but like uh, you, i think i think you want someone who's self-reflective, right? Who's yeah. focused on improving themselves and focused on conversation. But you know, there'd be nothing wrong. Like imagine a life where you come, go out and do your your thing, your objectivist work. You come home, supper's on the table. You, you have a chat. You have someone you can decompress with about your day. Talk about all the the asshole at the ARI who's trying to block your project or whatever, or the struggles you're coming up but with. See, that's the thing. I don't talk about those things, right? That's like I don't care to talk about those things. Well, right? and that's, maybe that's something you need to to work on, right? Like, I mean, th those things are valuable. We can't all just be uh, like that's part of our intellectual life is understanding, having someone to share in our struggles and to bounce ideas off of, and you know, a wife, even if she's not an objectivist, can help you. So, is she mm. helping you? Is she listening to you? Is she? Bouncing, like giving you, like maybe she's asking you questions that are are helping you introspect a little bit more. Um, and, and she doesn't have to be an objectivist to do that, right? Like she, she's yeah. providing incredible value to your life. She's covering half the rent. She's giving you dinner. She's like decompress. You're going to be able to have sex in a makeout sesh later. And she's hot as hell. And, <laughs> you know, all these things like what what is not to like about this? Like if you want if you want to talk objectivism, she's like here. uh you know, go, go out with your friend and, and have a good time. And, you know, like, uh, I'll be waiting naked in bed for you when you get home. Like guess, what, what could be wrong with that? I guess I have this idea still, and maybe it's a youthful romanticized idea that no, I should have one person who meets some degree of all of my needs, right? Not the full degree, but some degree. And 
Yeah. But listen, objectively, a woman should want, you know, the the best resource object she can get and maybe someone who's got rippling abs and, and uh, you know, all these muscles and is driving a sport like she can have all sorts of standards, too. Right. Uh, and that could that that could be a real issue, like having unrealistic standards that are that are cutting you off from meeting someone that can really provide incredible value to your life and make you a better version of yourself and give you more freedom. And, and you know, that that's one thing I realized having that mindset, having all those criteria of having to have this perfect libertarian girlfriend who's going to go through life with me. And like, we're going to be like powerhouses of Liberty or whatever. I'm going to be able to have these deep intellectual conversations, man. I, I just think about how naive that was, how, I wouldn't want that now, how I would be cut off from having this amazing relationship with a woman who provides freedom for me in a ways that I could never have imagined. Um, you know, I, I, so that's what I worry about for you. If I had a, but, uh, write yeah. a letter to my younger self, it would be something along these lines. And so I appreciate the opportunity to tell you that, but no, and I appreciate it. And I think I, I'm very self-aware, so I'm very aware of, this potential issue and and that's why i want to talk about it and because i like i tend to be extreme and and these sorts of things um so i appreciate the insight and i also think we'll have to get a cut together of this to send to your wife of just all the nice things you've said about her as well (laughs) yeah yeah that'd be a good idea (laughs) yeah that would be good um but no i really do appreciate you sharing and i and i feel a kindred spirit with you right so that's why i was like i understand that there like this, this is what happens when you come to the realm of ideas like this and you are trying to formulate it. And I'm, I'm really, I don't want to fall into these traps. So that's why I want to ask you about it and, and get your experience. So I appreciate that. Even though right now I still don't necessarily agree, but it'll take my mind a couple of days to, uh, you know, think about it more so. And, and we'll touch on it again in the future. But also I will read sometime soon nonviolent communication and maybe that'll... Right um clarify things as well and change change the way in which we can talk about this too and and i mean you know like at the end of the day like let's imagine you meet a good christian girl who has a lot of the same values of you who thinks that the individual is a sacrosanct unit of society who thinks that um self-reflection and thinking about your virtues and thinking about uh how you're showing up in the world and like being really introspective like she's arriving at those conclusions, maybe from the wrong methodology. She's taken a shortcut called religion, which I believe religion has probably evolved to be a shortcut. Like Ayn Rand has walked us through the steps and we can like have deep uh, intellectual and scholarly depth now to our our beliefs that we've basically construed. You and I have constructed from first principles upward and it's been a very life changing event. And it's, yeah. you know, our, our compass and, and our direction in life is, has been in chaos. Yours is probably kind of feeling that way. Like you're, you seem a little bit like I did back then where, which direction do I go? How do I synthesize this? No, and how I, do I make sense of all this? Right. Yeah, but she, yeah. but yet this girl who has, is already there, uh, but not through the same process we got there through a shortcut called religion. And yet, and, and so at the end of the day, it's, it works, right? It, it, like you're able to have an introspective conversation. She's able to support you and, and she values reflection and all, all the things that you ultimately value, but you've kind of come at it from different perspectives. I, I, you know, you, no, you and I, I don't disvalue religion as strongly right. as a lot of people do. Um, I do think, yeah, yeah, messages are quite similar as long as they're open to being really clear-headed about it. They don't have to have the same way to get to it and these sorts of things. Um, 
So I agree, though I still think that it might be hard to have the same values yeah. with someone who, I mean, not if they had religion as a base, they came to values and then they reassessed and, and really hold their values in, in their own opinion rather than dogmatically or whatever. But I think it might be hard uh, with certain uh, people and certain religions. Um, but though I will say that I, I don't feel very lost and kind of chaotic, like you mentioned, with regards to myself and, you know, my career path and my most of my like relationships that existed, I feel pretty steady forward. Yeah. But this is now because I feel established in those things. It's like, no, I do want to get married. I do want to start thinking about this. And that sort of relationship is right. always the most difficult. So I want to start like right. kind of actively thinking about it and get yeah. myself in order before I then try and find people on Tinder or whatever uh, atmosphere. Well, yeah, and you're, you're steps ahead of Ayn Rand here, right? I mean, her her writings are great for career. They're great for finding purpose. They're great from building uh, a set of beliefs and, and oper an operating system based on first principles. But they're not great at relationships, at applying those values to relationships. She wasn't good at it in her own life. She didn't understand how to bridge the gap. I think and I've I figured that out a little bit um, because I I've realized that you have to apply real rationality not just to conclusions and assumptions but also to relationships and how they work right and, and how and they, the other and, person's psychology works right. and how they are as a person and and, and, and that emotions are valuable and they're valuable pieces of information that we can then uh look at and understand what they're trying to tell us right they're our body and our subconscious mind trying to tell us something and working through those can help next level us and if we're working through those with a partner even better yeah, and objectivism does hold that emotions are important. Um, what I think they miss mo most is the idea of compassion, the idea that people aren't perfect, that you have to work with right. that and communicate that and, and have that understanding and that you're not perfect and self-compassion is also important. But I agree that the realm of relationships uh, is is definitely not not there. It's basically the idea I seem to be having in the fiction where there's two perfect people and then the perfect people get along great, right? No, you want to find you want to find someone who's on the path to perfecting themselves the same as you and no matter how messy and awkward and how much time it takes, you got to have patience and you're working towards it and that, there's nothing better. And I think yeah, I think that kind of actually clarifies it quite well for me what I was get at earlier in a formulation is that uh, you know, if I love them for their values outside of that, I will want to help them along their path of perfection. And I'll know that they'll be able to help me on the path of perfection rather than thinking they we have to have very similar status into our approach to that line mm -hmm. and to our exact current state of that line. It's no, there's so many other important things. As long as they want to keep improving themselves, I will want to help them with that because I care about them. And that does provide clarity actually around some of the relationships I do have that I, with the people I do love is that, no, I value them. I love them. And so no matter what it is, if they're open to not, you know, being aggressive in their behavior that, no, I do want to help them on the path to the degree I can. Yeah. So that actually clarifies it quite concretely, actually. Good, good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise I Praise Ayn Rand. That <laughs> <laughs> would be your name. All right, thanks. This, this was actually extremely helpful. I appreciate it. 
I'm glad and I hope it was helpful to people out there in, in the audience. And listen, if you folks want to hear more of these conversations or if you want to write in with your own questions and have David and I discuss this or maybe even bring you on or do a call, you know, I am happy to uh, provide whatever wisdom and mentorship I can to uh, you guys. I've learned a lot of hard, hard lessons in life, and uh, I wouldn't want you to have to go through the same thing if I can if, if I can provide you some insight. Cool. Awesome.